nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So end the reading of our text, of the reading of, the, of God's holy word. Quickly, Acts, the book of Acts, is a record of practicing Christianity under the power of the Holy Spirit. I said this the last time. The book of Acts is called the action book of the New Testament. And Acts tells us of the radical faith that exploded in the lives of the disciples after the resurrection. All of this was due to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised to send. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. According to our text, he's raised from the dead. And he made several visits to show himself to the disciples, okay, and to those who believed on his name. He gave the disciples instruction to go and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You could find this in the beginning of Acts. So it was during this feast that Jerusalem was turned upside down in awe and wonder when the pilgrims heard the disciples speak the wonderful works of God in languages they never learned. So at this feast, the different nations, wherever you were in the world, the different nations, the different Jews came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And God planned to send the Holy Spirit. I mean, God, when God planned a plan, there's nothing man can do to change it. Amen? So God had planned it in such a way that on the day of Pentecost, he will pour out his spirit so that all the nations, as I said last time, that he had dispersed will be present to hear about the wonderful works of God. So the resurrection, according to our text that we read, caused a radical change in the hearts and minds of the disciples. Everything in their lives changed on the day of Pentecost. They, the disciples, there was about 120 of them in the upper room. Everyone was anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and nothing after the outpouring could stop them from spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what was their message? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That's their message, right? So the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us with power for ministry. The Holy Spirit has made us Christ-authorized representatives to have power over darkness and sickness and oppression in this world. And he empowers us in prayer and intercession and he gives us power over demons. Now that's a lot, a mouthful, but I gotta keep moving. I can't elaborate on each one. So listen, right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, it is stated that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Acts chapter three, 
gave the account of the healing man who was lame from birth. And Peter attributed the healing to faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It could stand to reason that this man was at the temple gate during Jesus' lifetime. Why I, why I drew that conclusion is because Jesus and the disciples were always going into the temple. Jesus taught at the temple. So I could stand to reason that this lame man was at the gate because they always put him there. So let me ask you a question. I just said it. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus could have passed this man every time he went into the temple? Have you considered what it must have meant for Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, to have passed this man knowing that he, Jesus, had the power to heal this man? Can we comprehend that? Knowing that he had the power to heal this man, but yet he had enough discipline to submit his will to the Father's will? And not heal this man? I go on. Do we realize that, that Jesus did not heal everybody he met? Have you ever considered the psychological turmoil from a, a human perspective? What withholding his healing power from sight from some might have done to him, Jesus? Of course not. We don't think like that. The thing to remember is this, that everything Jesus did or did not do was all about him being submitted to the Father's will. I, I want us to pause a moment and think about it. Today we get upset with God. We want to leave our faith because we might pray for this person to be healed physically, and God don't heal them physically, but he takes them home, and some of us get upset, and we wonder, where's the love? But go back in time with me. When Jesus walked on the earth, right, that he did not heal everybody that he met. And he couldn't heal everybody that he met. Because Jesus was absolutely submitted to the Father's will. The name of Jesus Christ, let me say this, is not a magical formula that Peter used. The name of Jesus Christ, and this goes for all of us, is not a magic formula that Peter used to the beggar when he said, look at us. And the Bible says the beggar gave them his attention because he expected to receive money from them. But Peter says, servant gold, I do not have. But what I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
Not just in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The place that you people despise. You said no good thing could come out of Nazareth. But Jesus Christ came out of Nazareth, he said. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So this statement of faith and power from Peter, it spoke to the spirit of poverty. So it, 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 remember Peter is filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter is wise. He's also a wild man. Okay? So when, and, and I believe, when Peter and John by faith said, look at us. We don't have silver and gold, but what we have, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The man was poor. He couldn't work. He had to beg for a living. So when they spoke, they not only spoke to the man, but they spoke to the spirit of poverty that had him bound. Amen? Peter is saying, my resource for you is not material. Hallelujah. But when you stand up and walk, you'll be able to get the material. Oh, my Lord and my God. He says, our resources come not from the material world. It comes from the spiritual realm. They offer the beggar the authority and power and the resources in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They offer the beggar all that Jesus was and is. Hallelujah. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is called to do. What every professing Christian is called to do. To declare that we are bankrupt when it comes to the realm of the material. But we are rich in the spirit. Why? Because we belong to a king with a kingdom that has no end. And this kingdom has all the earth's resources. What did Jesus say in Matthew? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all things. But we have put the cart before the horse. Right? Sister Mary, right? Hallelujah. We put more energy in our jobs. We put more time in our jobs. And we give God the leftover little bit of energy that we have. So when the people saw the miracle, they understood that God was at work and it prepared them to listen to what the apostles had to say. And as we read the chapter, we see that the explanation of what happened takes up the rest. So chapter 3 and chapter 4 is a continuation. So as we look closely at the events in this chapter and how it took place, it teaches us how to become a true witness for Christ. I, and I said the last time I was taught to, to learn a set of facts about my Christian faith and then to share these facts with those I met. But this incident, another incident throughout the Bible teaches me that God works first. And I explained this the last time. So fast forward, the man is healed. It drew a crowd. And Peter took advantage of the moment and began to preach to them in the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, saying that it was by the power of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, that this man was made whole. He did not stop just at the name Jesus Christ. He said, because Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, this man is healed. So the result to this message that Peter preached was about 5,000 men. Men. Can you imagine? 5,000 men believed the word that Peter preached. And I said, in those days, when a man made a decision, the whole household was affected, right? Now it was great. That was great. But in the midst of the people being saved, an interruption took place. And this is where we pick it up in Acts chapter 4. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And the Bible says, they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. The thing that was most important here in our text is that the message of the gospel was proclaimed. Luke tells us that they proclaimed in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The authorities were annoyed because of the message. They proclaimed in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were, these guys, they were not disturbing the peace. They were not causing trouble. So why was the healing and the message of Jesus' resurrection posing a threat? Why? The message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ posed a threat to the authorities of Peter's day. They found it too disturbing, and they were not having any of it. The message threatened them to the point that they arrested Peter and John. And so we might think that this message only affected the authorities of yesterday, of centuries ago, but this message of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is still a threat to many governments around the world today. This message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ continues to be a threat to forces, to dictatorships and tyrannies of the earth. Jesus' resurrection is a life-changing message. It is a message that has the power to turn people from drugs. It is a message that has power to turn you from emptiness and loneliness to a place of hope and hopefulness. Yet, there were those who view it with suspicion because they want to keep people in bondage. 
They want to keep people in servitude. They want to keep people in poverty while making money on the backs of the oppressed. We hear about China. My sister shared about China yesterday. Why is the message of Jesus Christ such a threat to this government? Because everybody wants power. And they realize that the power of Jesus Christ can change the mindset of the people. And once poverty is addressed by the power of the resurrection, it has to back up. Hallelujah. It must back up because there's a greater power than it. So hence, governments are scared. They're frightened. You think only in China and America too? On your jobs, you cannot, you cannot say Jesus Christ. They're afraid. Right? We look at the government, but you've got to come down closer. There are some, some, some people uh, 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 who, get, who turn to Jesus Christ and the family kill him. They literally kill them or they disown them. The day that Peter preached this message, as I said, 5,000 men heard the message of the resurrection and they believed. They were convinced of the truth, just like the 3,000 had believed on the day of Pentecost that Jesus Christ, the man of Galilee, the prophet from Nazareth, had solved the most difficult problem. Jesus Christ had solved the problem of death. Death is a problem to the human race. We know that there are people who have been brought back from the dead, right? By the power of God. We know Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised the, the widow's son. I can't remember. Uh, even Elijah raised the, 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 the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. But they all died. Again, okay, they returned uh, and they went back to their same regular life, but they died again. But Jesus' resurrection is different. He came back to a different level of life, never to die again. Keep listening. Do you realize when we preach the gospel, what we are asking people to believe? Or even when we talk about the resurrection of Christ? Do we realize what God did in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth when he brought him back from the dead? When you read your Bible, you must take time to ask some questions, you know. You gotta, you, you gotta ask yourself some questions. You gotta ask the scripture some questions. You gotta ask the Holy Spirit. Do we realize when God brought Jesus Christ back from the dead that God literally made a new man? God literally made a new, brand new spanking man. God made a man with a body without blood. Listen, I wrote here. God made a new man through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A body without blood that can eat 
and yet walk through walls. I want to I want us to understand what the resurrection is about. Now let me pull it from scripture. First Corinthians 15. The first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-given spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. That's us. Okay? This is dust. It's all dust. I hate dust. You could just dust in the next minute, you know, it's, you need dusting again. Dust have no manners. That's what I always say. It has no manners. I don't care if you could live in the best palace in the world. Dust have no manners. It's going to show up just like spiders. So Paul says the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's us. And as is the heavenly man, so are also those who are heavenly. And as we have, have borne the image of the man of dust, listen, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, is in the form of a man, but he is total spirit. Jesus himself said in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So listen, this is our hope, children of God. We shall be like Jesus Christ. We shall be like him. A body without blood. I don't know if that excites you. Right? We don't have to worry about getting a heart attack. We don't have to worry, hallelujah, about our bones breaking. We don't have to worry about cancer. You don't have to worry, oh my Lord and my God. Hear the far-reaching effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even if they wanted to arrest Jesus again and kill him. Like they said they were going to do. Remember, they put out a posse to find him because they said that the, that, that, that the, the disciples had stolen his body. They were looking. They didn't have power to do it. Right? <laughs> they didn't have the power to do it. And even if they had seen him, they couldn't even touch him. So Jesus' resurrection brings with it a possibility for us humans. Ooh, Jesus. So when our resurrection takes place, we will never die again. The sting of death will be forgotten and gone. The key is, do we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Do we believe it? Peter and John preached or proclaiming Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The disciples also preached that the promise of the resurrection has been extended to all who believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. 
So since Pentecost, this message has been preached and millions have trusted Jesus because his resurrection carries a blazing, radiant hope. Jesus Christ of Nazareth has solved the problem of death. Praise the Lord. So what was it that Peter and John said that caused their arrest? What was it that put the Jews into a tailspin? It would appear that, that, that Peter and John tied the death of the physical body to the death that is at work in our inner lives at this very moment. From the time we are born, we are dying. What we need to understand is that death is death, whether it's physical or spiritual. We experience inner death in many ways. Sometimes bitterness, sometimes loneliness, sometimes emptiness and despair as, or as depression of spirit. Sometimes it is boredom, hate, malice, resentment, violence. It does not matter what form death takes. Death is not the will of God. Death and dying is not what God intended for man. Death is an enemy and that has taken hold of the human race because of sin. Death lives in us. Death sleeps with us. Death eats with us. It haunts us in everything that we do. Death is always present. But the truth we must get hold of is this. That in Jesus' dying and rising from the dead did something about our inner death. He overcame death by the power of his resurrection. He came out of the grave a different person, a man without blood, a whole new human being. But because of Jesus' resurrection, we can have peace instead of restlessness. We can have acceptance rather than guilt. We can have love in place of lust or hate. Power to replace weakness. Power to give joy for mourning. Power to give beauty for ashes. Power to give hope for despair. Courage instead of cowardice. And cleansing from all unrighteousness. That is what is resurrection has done. Praise the Lord. Give God some praise. Give, we don't have to die daily. We don't have to die a slow inner death. We can forgive. Hallelujah. We can get rid of hate. We can get rid of malice. We can ask, hallelujah, Jesus Christ to fill our heart with his resurrection power so that we can have peace on the inside. So that we can have peace on the inside. Hallelujah. Peter's and John audience, I believe, they were tired of emptiness and sin. And when they heard this message of hope, 5,000 men believed and they turned to Christ. Hallelujah. The hope of receiving new life in that moment through the risen Christ caused them to believe what they were hearing and receiving this new life. One would think that the authorities would be glad to see the community changing for the better. But that was not the case. The message threatened them. They might, have, they might not have been able to articulate what they were feeling, but they knew there was something different in this message. So what is it about this message that was bothering the authorities? And what is it about this message that continues to bother authorities? 
5 to 12. And it came to pass the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Now, obviously, they're not thinking. Your money, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has done all of this. So listen to what happened next. As I said, the council wasn't thinking clearly. They allowed their fear, their fear, just like us, we allow our fear to get the better of us sometimes, doesn't it? Okay? The same with them. They asked Peter this question. Tell us. By what power or by what name have you done this thing? <laughs> so Peter jumped at this open door 
and Peter come out burning. I wrote this, you know, in the Holy Ghost. This is me typing. It's just, just, just typing. Burning in the Holy Ghost. Because now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, by the name of the man whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. He said, and listen, this is not the same Peter who a few weeks ago had denied Jesus. Hallelujah. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. I don't know the man. The Bible said he cursed. I don't know who you're talking about. Peter is no longer a coward. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit. The life of the resurrected Christ is in him. Okay? So this is what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into a human heart. The Holy Spirit takes the life of the risen Lord and empowers a person. It encourages and it strengthens the person to do whatever needs to be done in the moment. Because remember, Jesus had told him, you don't have to worry what you're going to say when you go before these magistrates. In that moment, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Oh my God, we got to connect the dots of the scripture. We got to connect the dots of the scripture. Hallelujah. So Peter, the Bible said, being filled with the Holy Spirit said, we have done it in the name of the one you crucified, the one God raised from the dead. And he goes on to tell them what the psalmist in Psalms 118 verse 22 said. He said, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. God, and there's a whole history behind that. I'm not going to go into that. Jesus had designed that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would be the cornerstone of his government on earth. All human governments will rest upon the government of Jesus and they will be submitted to his kingdom rule. This is what we are talking about now, as I said in the Bible study by Bishop Balak. As we see in scripture and in our world, we have rejected the cornerstone. The message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ will continue to put down government and keep on overturning human governments until Jesus comes to reign in the earth, according to Jeremiah 23, 5. So Peter accuses them to their face and said, you rejected the Lord Christ when he was here in the flesh. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead and made him the head of the corner. And Peter said, no, is there salvation in any other? For there is no other name under heaven given among men which must be which must be saved listen there's no other name there's no other religious leader no all political leader who can do what Jesus Christ did only Jesus Christ of Nazareth is qualified to be the foundation and the head of human government and the basis of all human authority we can name many leaders who have come and gone. We can name them. And yes, they have left us with something good, some, some good wisdom. And we could learn something from them. But none, none can compare to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I could name many religions. I'm not going to go into that. You get the message. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God has made Jesus Christ the head of the corner and given him our power, might, and authority over all things in heaven and on earth. There is no other name by which we can be saved. When anyone encounters the risen Christ, he changes them. 
He gives them new motivation in life. He makes us over. He gives us a new heart, a new outlook on life. He gives us a new life. Jesus Christ of Nazareth does this over and over again. When the gospel is preached and folks believe the truth of the resurrection, brothers and sisters, this is not politics. Whenever Christ changes a life, it threatens all oppressive governments. It poses a threat. Wherever the enemy of the cross might be established in this world, when this message is preached, it becomes a threat. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ frees people from oppression. It frees people from oppression. Oh, the life of Christ is not against government. It's not against government. But it is against oppressive government. There's no other power force on earth that can give us the assurance of liberation. There's none. Let us be assured, brothers and sisters, that God is working out his purposes. He is building a new humanity. And he, God, is moving and is inviting men and women everywhere to become a part of his purposes by sharing the message of the risen life of Jesus Christ. So it's all about this new man called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this new man said to us, lift up your eyes and look at the field. For they are already ripe for harvest. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But we know his message is a threat. And he says we must baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, friends, Jesus Christ is alive forever. He's alive forevermore. And he's coming again for a redeemed people without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The Bible says we shall not all sleep. We will, he will raise us from the dead if we are asleep in the ground. He will raise us from the dead with a brand new body without blood. <laughs> Without blood. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have a new body. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Praise God. Father God, thank you that you're in the midst of your people, ready to save, ready to set free anyone who will believe in Jesus Christ. Father, you are always ready to hear the cry of the penitent whose heart is empty and lonely, whose heart is in pain and despair, and cries out to you to fill their life with yourself. Many of us hear God, 
can testify to the reality of your life-giving grace. So, my Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to fill the hearts of those who are hungry and thirsty, those who are in darkness and need in the light of your presence. Father God, bring comfort to those who are lonely. Give joy to the downcast soul and save the soul of the one who is crying out to you right now for deliverance and peace. Father, I trust you to answer this prayer because you are the promise keeper. You said you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, save souls. Do this for your name's sake and for your glory. And I echo the faith of John the Apostle. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come. Come for your world. Come for your church. Come for your people. Come for your inheritance. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God.